Welcome to The Clappers. This is Andrew Young. And I am Carl Quinn. And we are talking today about the Ballad of Buster Scruggs and Widows. And the Age Music Victoria Awards. And David Byrne. I'm Buster. Buster Scruggs. Uh, this, this is a bizarre thing, the Coen yeah. brothers doing a movie for Netflix. I yes. mean, it's not that bizarre in that no, quite a few others it. have mm-hmm. done it in yeah. recent times, yeah. but they are probably the most filmic filmmakers mm-hmm. around. And doesn't it look like a film? It's beautiful. Yeah. It is beautiful. I told you. Mm, That's you in that, that, that area of Arizona where John Ford shot a lot of films. It looks uh, like the searches, man. It looks it like the, the searches. Uh, the va- uh, Valley. Death Valley. Death Valley. Death yeah. Valley. Yeah. All those maces and th- you, the average punter is rightly. There I was suppose, one. There's there. one shot yeah. of. I take it to be Monument Valley. Right? Yes, yes. There was one shot where I thought they've actually just plopped that one in there. That, that's not really deliberately. There. Yeah. yeah, it it's looks like a rear, rear projection, <laughs> but everything else looks like it's shot and, for and real. There. It's it's a western. It's six episodes. There used to be quite a few films that were made. I think when the big studios wanted to fit as many stars as they could into a film, they they'd make a film like I think it was called The Tuxedo, where six short or five short episodes follow this jacket from it being made for a wealthy fella who maybe get falls uh, he dies or he, he he loses his fortune and it gets sent to the second hand shop and someone else buys it and then you know it ends up on the back of a horse drawing a carriage in the first world war you know just it, it goes all everywhere and then it ends up i think being on the on the body of edward g robinson who's shot as a gangster <laughs> I, I can't it's it's so you get these uh, somerset Maugham's novels there are quite a few films of like four or five of his stories and there's our Henry's Full House. It's a great way to get lots of really famous people that are under contract to you onto the screen at the same time. But of course, that's not. Are you suggesting that's no. what's going on here? I don't know if there's a lot of. Did, stars. did nobody tell them that the studio no. system is yeah, broken? I, I think, it doesn't work. You know anymore? how nostalgic they are. Look at Hail Caesar. <laughs> I mean, they are nostalgic men. It's true. F- and it's and true. they they make make a good fist of this. There's a lot. There's a lot to enjoy. There's a lot to criticize. Just, just one thing I would yeah. say when you say six episodes, just just for the sake of anybody oh, who's a bit confused okay. about that, yeah, it, okay. it is what's known as a portmanteau film, right? Okay. So it's basically six com- six stories within the overarching story. It's not six separate TV episodes. Yes, that's true. Uh, I'm, I, I, given, given that it is a Netflix thing, it would be easy yeah, for okay, people to yeah. include otherwise. So yeah. we'll, we'll chop all that out and we'll just say <laughs> it is a motion picture in six parts. That are all delivered within the space of about two hours. A bit over two twenty. With a framing okay. device. Yes. Of a book. Of a book. A hardcover book that yep. opens up and reveals the chapters. Just like the old films I'm talking about. You'd start with the cover of a book and it would open. And sometimes you even had. I've seen John Steinbeck do this. Mm. The author John Steinbeck. Hi. I'm John Steinberg, and he's holding his book that yeah. you're about to see the film of. <laughs> and I've seen Somerset Maugham, and he's really, I'm Somerset Maugham, holding the very book, and the page turns. And I, I, I'm old-fashioned in some respects, I suppose. Some? <laughs> <laughs> so it's good. I don't mind the book. And if you pause it, you can read the book as well. <laughs> so I, I found it very enjoyable reading the, the text. I was, there I was, mm. foolishly trying to speed read the final <laughs> paragraph of yes. each chapter. Yeah. You in real time, yeah. I didn't think to pause okay. it. It reminded yeah. me of, of some of the, the great American short story authors of the late 
19th and early 20th century, as mentioned, O'Henry, Ambrose Bierce, uh, Ring Lardner. There's a, a, a jaunty cynicism in the in the style of, of the, the book, and I think in the style of, of the show itself. One of the one of the uh, let's call them chapters. One of the mm-hmm. chapters is actually adapted from a Jack London story. Okay, yeah. Uh, oh, I think I know the one you mean. Go on, have a go. Is it? Is it? The, I, I can't. Are they, do they have? They Just have titles. Scenario. Don't they? Yeah, scenario. The uh, wingless thrush. No. No. Okay. No. All right. No. 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 It's you the, like uh, that. The wingless thrush. I bet that has made you think. Oh, <laughs> what, what's he going on about? The wingless thrush. That that one is actually called meal ticket. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Can I say a couple of criticisms? Yeah, of go on. Because well, there's, there's a lot to hang on. Let, let's yeah. let's start with yeah. just give give people a broad sense of what what it is. Okay, it's stories of the American West, mm. and you've seen that before, and you are aware of their work in the American West, the brothers Cohen and other filmmakers. You're aware of shows like Deadwood, and there's a new one now called Is It Ghost Town? Not sure. There's a new one. Uh, it's good too. I mean, the Coen brothers, in terms of their work in the West, probably you'd say there's certainly uh, Oh Brother, I think, maybe sort of, sort of, sits there. it's not really the West, it's the South, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, um, True Grit is the obvious yeah, one. Grit. And I guess, no to some country. degree, No Country for yeah. Old Men. And it's kind of like a modern Western. Sam Elliott's character in The Big Lebowski. Yeah, okay. Yes, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Which I watched just recently. I, watched, I watched on the plane really coming time, home uh, from the States. Yeah. And I've got to say... It it really holds up. Good. It's good. still such good fun. Oh, yeah. I'm glad. Mm. So, yeah, stories of the American West. And some say that given the Bechtel test, given the, the way that Hollywood works mm. now, every now and again a good filmmaker can take the opportunity to make something historical that like a story about the American West yeah. where the female characters aren't widows or prostitutes mm. and actually have a, have a, agency. a voice and have agency and the ability to move the story and move throughout. So there is, there is um, a, a, a episode, what do we call them, a chapter? A chapter. chapter. A chapter with a female protagonist. So, but that's just one out of six. And, and I've got to say, I think that is probably the strongest, strongest of one. them. I think it's fantastic. And uh, With Zoe Kazdan. Yes, yeah, I was trying to think of her name. Yeah. I was thinking Elia she, She's got such an expressive <laughs> face. She, she manages to look blank and yes. expressive at the same yes, time. I yes. mean, it's, it's quite, quite a thing she does. Anyway. And that reminds me of the actress who plays uh, Irene, and I can't remember her name, but I'll remember it soon. This Irish lady. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> in what show? I, ju- I just wanted to say that same, same with the cigar store Indians, as they used to call them, yeah. the indigenous people. There, there could have been some, some great stories involving uh, the yeah. them being more than just murderous warpath savages or, yeah. or cliches. And that's an opportunity lost. Yeah. They're, they're the, the best, almost the best filmmakers going around. Uh, they've given us some amazing female characters and the character that that is a Native American in Fargo certainly has plenty of agency if you remember his work with the whip and of course Marge Gunderson is one of the best so you know I'm not giving him a hard time I just thought that wouldn't it be nice just because they certainly tweak it in Deadwood don't they the female characters in Deadwood are equal to the male characters I've I've written about this oh, today, known about Buster Scruggs I've, I've today. I've been plagiarising him because I haven't read his article. Well, you haven't because it hasn't are, appeared yet. These are his own thoughts. But, uh, you know, it, 
it's certainly been it's a criticism that's been leveled at it is that uh-huh. it's missed that opportunity oh, okay um, I read a I read a round table in which Native American film uh, oh. filmmakers were talking about you get good access the repre- to stuff yeah, it's called you? the internet you should try it sometimes the round table what do I type we're at a round table <laughs> it's only two of us we're both a bit round so what do I type in to find the, the indigenous uh, North American round table is that what I just type in try Buster Scruggs uh, Scruggs sorry yeah. Buster Scruggs uh, mm. Native American and okay. I reckon and you will find it pretty quickly. Pretty oh, good. quickly. I will. And what are their thoughts on this? Because uh, I'm not. I'm, it's not for me to say. Well, that the basically the the uh, the Native Americans in mm. it uh, they appear in two of the six films, and they are basically exactly as they've always been. Yeah. In yeah. in, in yeah. westerns, uh, savage brutes. Mm. Mm-hmm. There is no, no attempt to uh, to to look at the wagon train. So, and this is my phrasing, not yes. their phrasing, but to look at the wagon train through. Comanche eyes. Yeah, you know what's the view like from the from the top of a horse yeah. when you're a Comanche? Exactly. Rather, than this is hey, yeah, who exactly. are these people coming through my my backyard? You yeah. know, it's like that. And they, you know, the Coen brothers are such incredible filmmakers, and mm. they 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 write beautifully. I mean, oh, it's, you yeah. know, they're not just great directors; they Cracking are beautiful banter. writers. They absolutely. are. I, I love their writing. Everyone everyone yeah. would point that out. And and it it's sort of the. They often operate in the space, uh, this sort of like territory that's part parody, part yeah. homage. Mm-hmm. You know, it. Uh, I think it 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 doesn't often uh, slump to the level of pastiche, and I don't think it does here no, at no, no. all. I well, think they. I think they really take the Western genre, they play with it, and they get some really great stuff happening. But what they don't do mm-hmm. is. Just flip it and go. Yeah. Let's look at this. Okay, let's have let's have female characters who are not passive, who are yep. not hookers, who are not. Uh, well, I mean, there were basically what three female characters in it, and uh, only one. Well, one is on her way to an arranged two, marriage. Two of them are basically semi-substantial. One of them, really, the Zoe Kazan character, mm. is the most substantial character in it. Uh, but she is passive. She yeah. is not somebody who has agency over her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you could I, say, I think that's okay. You can tell that story. That's how it was yeah. in the West. The West wasn't a place where where yeah. it was. A, it was a male place. It was a violent place. It was a place where one uh, country was colonising another, mm. and it was brutal. And the agency of women, in terms of running their own businesses or being their own sheriffs or running their own cattle ranches. Mm. It's 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 probably more historically accurate that there were more men doing that than women. Of course, you do get, let's say, in Westworld, say mm-hmm. you do get uh, the sort of the women who are uh, actors, you yeah. know, rather rather than not s- robots. <laughs> no, I mean they're 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 in charge. They're actually doing things. Oh, oh. even when they are robots. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yes, you know, yes, they, yes. it's much more. I mean, it's it's very genre kind mm. of space. I and mean, they set, are basically running set, brothels or they're wielding yeah. guns. You and know. it's set now, and again, that's attempting to, to give you a romanticised fantasy version of the West. It's it's a tricky spot to be in. You yeah. say, well, uh, this is what happened. This is what happened. well, that's what we say happened because yeah. we wrote it down. You yeah. know, the other people who weren't writing things down, they they well, more to the point, the, the the version of the West that is sold is the version that has basically been sold through the movies primarily. I mean. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is something that Clint Eastwood tackled brilliantly in Unforgiven, which mm-hmm. was really a story about myth making. It yeah. was it was about how a particular version of that history has been told, and that's the only one people want to hear in a way. And I, I guess that's that's what 
is a little disappointing about this, and I don't want to. I don't want to harp on it too much yeah, because I think yeah, there yeah. is so much it's, to it's enjoy. Definitely in this. worth watching, and and you could easily get through from the start to the end of this and not notice any of the things that we've mentioned. <laughs> because if you go and see Asian pictures that have been made in the last five or ten years, you'll notice that the women aren't speaking, the women aren't controlling the action, the women aren't in charge. It's still. Oh, I think I think that's. Uh, I think that's a, a gross generalisation, and that gross. It, it's it, gross that it happens, but it's not no, gross. Th- there is far more. There are far There's, more strong female characters on screen now than there were fifteen years ago, ten years ago. And I'm saying, from from just from a quantitative point of view, mm. you could go and see a lot of just mainstream regular films and see the same stereotypes coming up and up again. And that, and I, that's what I love about that Bechdel test. You know, the way it measures how often uh, a woman makes a decision, how many times a man speaks, how many words they say and, and in fairness i think we should throw to the woman in on our panel here yes we should and ask her what she thinks madam and there you have it so, so that's good you should have a look at this uh ballad of buster scruggs and of course we have to say we don't have to and i rarely do this but i am going to make one mention of tim blake nelson who is hilarious and lovely and everything you've ever seen him in. If you love him and you've loved everything you've seen him in, then you're just going to love this and and wish that his his little chapter of the film went on for for much longer because he's lovely. I, you know, I didn't actually know the structure it was going to follow at Uh first, right? And I thought, given the title of the film... yeah. Buster Scruggs is going to be in the whole way. It's going to be the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Six (laughs) chapters about Buster Scruggs. He's going to be coming in and out. He'd be like the glue. Indeed. That links every story is Buster, but no. Somebody left the lid off the glue bottle, I'm afraid. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Buster Scruggs. Netflix. Catch it. Things have a way of escalating out here in the West. My name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. That man is a wonder. Oh, we'll just have to see, won't we? Andrew, Carl, on the issue of mm. female-led movies yeah. and action mm-hmm. and uh, well, agency, mm-hmm. let's say, yep. Widows. Okay, this is a film I really oh. heartily oh, no. yep. recommend. I just mm-hmm. think this is a very, very interesting film, and and for all of the reasons, all of the things that we're saying are kind of the failings of yes. of Buster Scruggs. They're actually the things that are so interesting about Widows. Great. It's, it's directed, written, directed by uh, Steve McQueen, who's probably best known for Twelve Years a Slave, but he's made a bunch of other films, including a bunch of art films in his in his younger days. And uh, and co written, yes. I mean, pieces like short artworks. Oh, okay. Not in the medium <clears throat> of film. Well, art films. No. I don't. <laughs> well, hello, is it 1972? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. I don't know how old he is. <laughs> co written by Steve McQueen and yep. Gillian Flynn, mm-hmm. who wrote uh, Gone Girl, most famously. And uh, and and sharp objects. The, mm-hmm. um, the 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 show that we talked about, and you had absolutely no recollection of us talking about with Amy Adams. Uh, anyway, never mind. We'll move that along. I'm not hurting. I'm not hurting. I've yeah, got over I, it. I don't. My therapy says. My therapy. My therapist says it's okay. So, widows. Linda Laplante. There was original TV Indeed. series that I remember as a youth and remember. Eighty three, I think. Yeah, I was a youth, yeah. and I remember it being ridiculous and over the top with lots of massive hairs and 
and you know the, the typical knots landing dallas dynasty type of shoulder pad bling style of of powerful woman dressing and it seemed, set in london it seemed hilarious mm. to me yeah. uh, as as a, a a teenage chauvinist of course it would seem so this is a very different take on mm-hmm. the story in uh, i mean the premise is the same okay yep. so uh there are four women whose husbands are career criminals and they the men yes. are killed Widders. They're made widders. They become widders, mate. What are we going to do now? We've got anyway. a big plan. <laughs> One last job. Big plan. That's quite good, actually, geezer. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> it's, not, it's not set in, in It's London, not set in London, it? sadly. Such it's a set shame. In, set in Chicago. Shame. It's set in Chicago. So we gotta we got to move. we got to talk like that or something. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so it's in, it's in Chicago. And... Uh, <laughs> and and now the 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 women basically same scenario the, mm-hmm. the husbands are killed the career criminals are killed and uh they find themselves in various uh you know in various ways they find themselves on in um uh, penury i guess like their their sh- their businesses get closed down because it turns out the husband wasn't really paying the rent he was gambling it all on the horses and, okay you yeah. know blah 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 there's various things that slowly unfold so these are not high echelon mobsters who have a a lot of turf that's going to get taken no, over no, after no, their no. this is not about turf uh-huh not there uh-huh where it is about turf is in the realm of politics because okay. there, there is a concurrent story, which is about the battle for uh, election in in a, a ward uh, in mm. in Chicago, and that's being fought between a uh, an African American drug dealer who's mm-hmm. uh, attempting to appear to go straight, a little bit like the Stringer Bell character in yep. The Wire, yep, and night school, and uh, and and a career politician. Played by Colin Farrell, who well, he's not he's not actually a career politician. He's the son of a career politician, uh-huh. played by Robert Duvall. And there is there is an absolutely amazing scene between those two characters, and mm-hmm. it is just fantastic. And uh, he's reluctant; he doesn't necessarily really want to be in politics, but it's the family business, the family business, yeah. yeah. And like crime this is like the, crime, and, and indeed. And so there's this notion of the inheritance mm-hmm. and. Uh, being born to it, whether or not you like it, yep. and having actual actually limited options, even though you may apparently have a lot going on, there are certain things that you know conspire this to reduce your opportunities. This is set now, yeah. yeah. And the women are they like before housewives dependent on their husbands for their jewels and their fashions, or they have jobs? The Australian actress Elizabeth Dubitsky plays a a girl who's basically just a kept woman. Yep. Right. So yep. she is absolutely dependent yep. and when she suddenly finds herself without her, her partner and without mm-hmm. an income, uh, she rejoices. Her mother, played by Jackie Weaver, uh-huh. oh, good. tries to steer her towards a dating site for rich men. Basically, it's like uh, a sugar daddy site. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and proposes that this is a, a perfectly valid way for her to actually find somebody to look after her and, and yeah. so on because that's how she sees the role yeah. of a, a gangster's mole, basically, mm-hmm. yep. in that space. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez plays a woman who's got a she's got a business of her own, hmm. but her husband is one who's been gambling all the money, and the so red money away at the track. So basically, her business. Yeah. yeah so okay. he's been undermining it, even though she was completely unaware. Now the debt's called in. Yep. Now he's gone. Uh, Viola Davis is mm-hmm. uh, has been married to uh, the leader of the gang, played by Liam Neeson, mm-hmm. and 
and she's got a, a job as a senior figure in the teachers union. Right. Right. So she's got you know That's a respectable career, yeah. and uh, she lives in a very nice apartment, uh-huh. and she's a very well kept woman, and suddenly she's the one who goes, "We're going to have to carry out this job because uh, the, the basically the uh, the." People associated with with the African American mayoral candidate or mm. alderman candidate, in fact, yeah. uh, come and say your husband owed us two million dollars. You've got a month to find it. So the and pressure's no way of on. Her knowing that that's true. There's no way of her knowing that okay. that's true. Um, but all she's got to go on so is a book. Uh, and there's there's a fourth woman who sort of comes. She doesn't come into the game. Okay. Right. Uh, but then another woman comes in okay. as the driver. So. No, okay. no, sort of peripheral to it. Mm-hmm. She's she's a babysitter who gets roped okay. in to be the driver, and she's more than willing to sort Good. of throw a lot in. So it's a really, it, it's interesting the mm-hmm. the dynamics and the kind of notion of what partners conceal from each other in a, in a relationship. Race comes into play in a major major way. Mm-hmm. In a way that you know it is a Steve McQueen film. It's not surprising yeah. that it does. But it's it's I don't want to say much about yeah, it, but it is really very clever. <clears throat> the thing is about this film; it's got a lot going on that's about politics, about corruption, about the intermeshing of like you know uh, legitimate crime, as yeah. in the sort of backhanded kind of uh, you know political deals that get mm-hmm. done, and illegitimate crime, which is you know the crime, the gangsters, and 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 the drug trade, and so on, and how they can. You know, they they have similar ways of operating, mm. except that you know one is above board and well, nominally above are board, very and one vocal is not. At the moment in Victoria, about <clears throat> what's been described as preference whispering, yes, it's really preference buying, and is not against the law at all. And yet, there are regular callers to talk back, and and former politicians who are up in arms at this criminal activity, besmirching. Uh, it's not criminal, but it's system. pretty rotten. Oh. For certain, it, well, well, it depends on your viewpoint. But yes, I, I think a, a very uh, cogent argument can be made that mm. it's not just rotten; it's something that should have no part of mm. our electoral system at all. Uh, we're moving away from widows. Yeah, no, I but, just, just but wanted to say. I, I would that, say um, that I reckon mm. there'd be an enormous will to do something about that yes. in this parliament, were it not for the fact that there are ten people who are going to be sitting in the <laughs> upper house. Yep, yep. Who, who have, have a very great vested interest in maintaining. Very, the ple- very pleased at this system, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I got in with three hundred and twenty-four votes. <laughs> What's, what's not to love about Where that? Where do we see widows? Uh, everywhere. It's, okay, it's, it's big. the cinema. So all I was going to say yes. to finish up there is that although it's got all of these things going on, right, mm-hmm. a, like a great richness of, of thematic material and sort of subtext, it's basically a genre film. Yep. So it operates as a very, very efficient, you know, piece of genre filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And if you just want to go and watch a crime caper movie, you'll have a good time. Mm-hmm. But if you want to go and watch something that's, going to offer up a whole bunch of deeper things and deeper material to engage with, then I think you'll also uh, be rewarded for that. Mm. Our husbands aren't coming back. We're on our own. They stole a lot of money. And now people want it from us. Now the best thing we have going for us is being who we are. Why? Because no one thinks we have the balls to pull this off. Almost a week ago, Carl, mm-hmm. I was, I was I a guest? I was something. A hostage? Was a, maybe. I was a hostage at the Age Music Victoria Awards <laughs> held 
at the recital hall with those lovely bamboo steps. Mm-hmm. And it was a really interesting awards night. I don't go to a lot of them. Mm. Uh, the Why la- did you go to this one? What was the spur? Mm, entitlement. <laughs> I am entitled to go to the Age Music okay. Victoria Awards night. And so I went. Well, it was free, wasn't it? was not open to the public, but it was free to me. Ah, okay. It was really good in many respects. The winners of the awards, even though a lot of them were in areas of music that aren't my field of expertise, were marvellous. They they had a lot of great performances by a hip-hop artist, an indigenous hip-hop artist called Baker Boy, mm. who won four awards, which was just amazing. Mm. And, and all the awards on the night are a mixture of industry and punters. Yeah. So anyone who – you don't even have to have a copy of the age in your hand. Anybody can actually vote. Although, can I say, I'd much <laughs> prefer it if you did. Anybody can vote. And so Sampa the Great, who is indeed great, won uh, two awards. Um, Courtney Barnett won a couple, as everybody would expect. A percussionist that I actually know and have worked with before called Nat Grant won the Experimental Music Award. And the performances, apart from two, which I'm going to say are purely my personal... Your taste. Taste. Not bad. Okay. One was bad. Full stop. Okay. And it made me cringe in my seat and and wish I could just be somewhere else. And and I know for once in my life, I was... In the majority. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but but no, it was it was a uniformly great night. The performances were excellent. Now the sound at the recital centre is always a problem. Yeah. Okay. If well, you, not if okay. you listen to classical I, I should, music. I shouldn't say that. Of course, what a fool. The sound at the recital centre, if you're playing any music from the 20th century yeah. onwards, is a problem. Uh, if you're right down the front, and you're getting the sound off the amps and the drums, then you, you're going to have some some vocal. It's going to be good, but right. Anywhere back, mm. uh, the, the it's it's not it's not helpful. And is it is it to do with amplification? Mm, I think it's to do with the way the room is designed. Yeah. for not non amplified music. Yeah, the room is yeah, That's what I mean. Yeah. So once you put uh, ele- electrical but drums as well. Drums. Yeah. I've I've played there, yeah. and the dr- it's just very very difficult to get a good balance. Yeah. And, and you can't. I mean, you can criticize the mixer if you want, but the the sound engineer. Uh, I, have, I had a few ideas. I wasn't going to offer them, but that they, yeah, there was some definitely drum sounds, bass sounds were really difficult. But the Ange McMahon, who's a young singer songwriter, who is getting doing gigs all over the world and is, is doing a, a thing with Paul Kelly coming up, fantastic! Just and it was so good to see a whole lot of artists that are just not in my yeah range and they're not chart toppers you know no no and it was and and it was great it just shows what an amazing diversity this is not even australia this is just victorian artists Uh, oh there's there was another oh there was a great group as well who who won an award and just made a hilarious speech camp cope Mm. a local band who we're not the best band last time we were here she was swearing and it was God. It was funny. And then there was another group of a regional band as well, who who were just we are the unlikeliest people to be on a stage. But that's why you want to see 
You want to see the unlikeliest people on stage, you know, not just hit makers or today's, because there's always a darling of today, you know. And some of them do win awards, but it's nice when, when others don't. Sam Anning won the best jazz album, which is great because it is actually a jazz album and there's quite a few things in that category that are as remote from jazz as ACDC. Uh, and it was, it was a really good night and I was, I was happy to attend. And I hope... Because I've been to a few. This is a very this is a sit down recital centre, and the others were at Billboard, mm. which you know. Billboard. I've been I've been to it at Billboard. Oh, oh, yeah, I've been okay. to it at the Prince Band Room. Okay. I like the, the the sense that you're at a gig. Yeah. So people can dance and yeah, enjoy themselves yeah. to the music, and every one of these artists, but people talk except over the two, everything. I don't like. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Nobody was talking mm. in mm. the in the seat. I heard that. Yeah. I heard. Yeah. I heard uh, there was a lot of. Um, support for that move that, mm. uh, on, on that basis yeah did you hear anything of the after party no no okay yeah. should I <laughs> there was free beer at the after party okay there wasn't free beer at the recital center but right. it was free beer at the after party that sounds like a wise a wise split yeah uh, yeah when you when you look at the balance you know when do you yeah. want people at their drunkest yeah. <laughs> during the awards well, uh, but of course it can make for, for a very for very good speeches when mm. drunk artists get up on stage to thank or, or diss or criticize or hold forth that can be good but it was it was a great night and if anybody considers themselves involved in the music industry they should be really proud of themselves we have a great music culture here in victoria and, and, a, and i don't know if this is the right thing to say or should have been said but they they did mention it a lot about how much effort they made to be inclusive to be gender inclusive and to be inclusive of other races and nations um well, race is a stupid word, but of, of ethnicity, other ethnicities, and they felt, especially in the industry awards, that that was shown in the nominations that they put up. So it's, it, it can only get better. Uh, Chris Gill and Lindell Wilkinson host it each year, and they are very relaxed doing so. And I think it's a good good partnership. A triple R person and a PBS person that makes sense. So yeah, it worked really well. It was a good night. So I got to see some music. Oh yes, your annual gig. Yeah, well, yeah, come on, I go at least your twice a year. Biannual. I go at least twice okay. a year. Bi-coastal, biannual. I'm going to see a gig tonight, as it happens. Oh, yeah, that's right. So it'll be my triannual gig. <laughs> I'll try anything. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, David Byrne. Okay, I've heard of him. Yeah. I'd never seen him before. Mm, me I'd, too. I'd never seen Talking Heads live. I mean, I did they know. come here? I don't know if they did come here. No. I, I don't know I, if they did. Mm-hmm. Wasn't on my watch. I think the Tom Tom Club came here. I think you're right. Yes, oh, I liked them. Yes. Anyway, so David Byrne live yeah. uh, played at Margaret Court Arena, which is probably too big for your tastes, I imagine. Mm-hmm. But it's you know probably what two thirds the size of Rod Laver so it's in that sort of it's between well probably like five six thousand I bow to your knowledge of Stadia I'm making it up I'm making up the numbers I can't I can't picture either place So I know they exist. Just get a train through <laughs> Richmond, mate. Get a train through no, no, Richmond. I'm, sorry, I mean from the inside. Yeah, I can't yeah, yeah. imagine what, what... They look like tennis courts, basically. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so uh, a, a pretty decent-sized venue in that it's not too big. You're not okay. too far from the stage. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so starts with David Byrne, comes out. He's, well, he's on stage, mm-hmm. seated at a table in a grey suit, yep. bare feet, holding a brain. 
and he sings to the brain and about mm. the brain. And that's that's the first number. It's a track called Here. It's off the latest album, American Utopia, which is, in fact, the name of the tour. Yep. And uh, then the band comes on stage mm-hmm. thereafter, and there, there were 11 other musicians. Yep. David Byrne and 11 yep. in the band. And about half of them play percussion. Okay. And... This is the thing that is like the single act of genius that made this show so damn good. Mm-hmm. No drum risers, mm-hmm. no chords, yep. no amplifiers. Everything's done by radio, wireless. Okay. The musicians are all wearing their instruments with yeah. straps around their neck. Yeah. And they're free to roam. Okay. And so you then get these 12 performers on stage. Buskers. Who are buskers? Yeah. They're basically dancers and musicians yeah. at the same time. They're all dressed the same in the grey suits and mm-hmm. bare feet. And it was just a thing of absolute beauty and joy. It was it was this kind of hybrid rock concert dance performance mm-hmm. kind of. You know, David Byrne dated Twyla Tharp at one stage. I, uh, I didn't. I have to confess. And I, and it's kind of like you go, <laughs> of course he did. Of course he did. Why wouldn't yeah. he go out with a choreographer? Because yeah. that's you know yeah. that's what's going on here. It and it's it was just so damn good. I I don't think I've ever seen a show that filled me with joy mm. to the same degree as this did. And, and it I was think all every, material, uh, new material, nothing no, not you all, No, no, no. Oh, okay. No, it was quite a lot of um, Talking Heads oh, okay. material, right. um, probably around about six or seven Talking Heads songs, uh, Once in a Lifetime, Burning mm. Down the House, um, uh, Simple Melody, oh, what's it called? Um, naive Melody. Um, Cross-Eyed and Painless. Uh, no. no. Ezimbra. Um, okay. uh, I would say that musically tended towards the kind of afrobeat mm-hmm. stuff that they they sort of you know increasingly uh, favored um well not increasingly favored i mean i, I guess remain in light 1980 album with um uh, once in a lifetime is probably where it first surfaced brian eno produced album and mm. that was kind of the dominant vibe i'd yeah. say it was just it was just fantastic mm. it was so mm. damn good oh, I'm glad mm. was it expensive yes how much 160 bucks I don't know. Do you call well, that expensive or yeah, not expensive? I, well, I do. Days? I do. And I think if you've seen the best thing you've ever seen in your life, well, then that's, that's, that's money worth That's a bargain. Yeah, yes. you, spend, you spend a good amount yeah. of money. People will go to restaurants and spend even more, as you well know. Yes. So 160 bucks to see 11 people on stage performing for maybe an hour and a half. It's, it's like, it's what, 14 bucks each? That's, that's 14, okay. 14 that, bucks that, for each of them. That's not uh, outrageous, no. let me say. No. So... I can't say would you recommend people go and see David Byrne again because he's probably gone. I, w- I would say this. Yeah. If he ever turns up again, yeah. go and see him. Yeah, yeah, good. Or if you happen to be travelling somewhere. In a somewhere city where he is performing, which is probably more likely, yeah. given yeah. Our, our cosmopolitan jet-setting audience, yes. our international yeah. audience. But he said at one stage they've been playing this this concert tour since March, mm-hmm. right? We, as he said, which is a long time in dog years. Yeah. And... Uh, it's like you can tell that that it's a show they it's a polished it's polished yeah. yeah and it is it is like a uh, a show in the mm-hmm. sense of the set list is pretty unchanging mm-hmm. i mean they do mix it up a little bit mm-hmm. but i think it's pretty much the same set list i mean i i knew beforehand what they were going to be playing because i went to set list fm and had a look to see what what are they going to be playing because i was reviewing it so it always helps to be you got another song well it helps to know yeah. what the hell you listen to yeah. um and it, it is. So you didn't pay $160. Yes, I did. I'll tell you a little story on that. Yep. 
back in little June or July. Oh, it's smallish. It's <laughs> little, little in the sense of barely worth telling. <laughs> back, the in, best back in June or July or whenever the tickets went on sale, yeah. uh, you know, the message goes out, who wants to review the following gigs? David Byrne was on there. Mm. Or, or like Straight away, I'll, I'll do David Byrne. Yeah. Too late. It's already gone. Okay. Uh-huh. So last week, mm. I get the, oh, can you do David Byrne? <laughs> it's like... I bought my tickets. Yeah. I, I so had you not bought your tickets, would you have been able to get in for free? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they all they always so provide. Couldn't you have sold tickets. your tickets? Yeah, and but then got I couldn't. F- I couldn't be asked, really. I mean, it was you like you know, have, you must have so much spare money oh. just sitting in little piles around your house. Yeah, yeah. The three three hundred bucks. Have uh, it was like, oh, which so ma- which mattress did I stuff that? Yeah, exactly. Hundred and sixty bucks. Which sometimes? hole in the ground that now has a shrub on top of it? <laughs> <laughs> Have I parked my latest pile that's, of cash? That's, that's my life. That's my life. You know. Oh, this cushion's a bit lumpy. Oh, that's <laughs> right. I stuck five grand in there. I forgot about that. Yeah. No, that is not my house. No, I just. Here's I, his house. I just, you know, I just I bought the tickets mm-hmm. um, and went with a bunch of mates, mm-hmm. and it's a bit annoying sitting there with taking friends. notes on the. Fo- <laughs> yeah, having friends. Yeah, it's terrible. No, sitting there taking notes on the phone. But how do you? I was wondering how you did it on would the you iPhone. Not, would I'm just you not like grab your phone and say. Oh, no, I don't do that. No, no, I, I, I type into type into notes on the phone. It's a it's an it's an amazing I'm little. Too, I'm too slow. On well, that. I'm pretty I slow. I couldn't do that. But you can do a lot with. That one, you can do a lot that with, index finger. Well, you can do a lot of damage with you, an index finger. You, you of course, <laughs> would know more about that than I. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Clappers. We will return another time. Next week on The Clappers, Ovens. A really hot topic.